You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 48 of Leaf Sky. Our guest today will be David Alter from the Hockey News. And before we get there, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup at DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion, $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. It's simple. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So the expansion draft has cleared. Jared McCann is the Leaf loss to Seattle, and there's plenty of debate about that. Why did you acquire him? Why did you protect four forwards, four defensemen, and a goalie as opposed to seven forwards, which would have kept McCann, three defensemen, which would have exposed Justin Hall, and the goaltender. And if you lose Justin Hall, then you have to figure out where the backfill is. Who is it? And how much does he get paid? A lot of people would anoint Travis Dermott to that spot. I would not. There's all kinds of debate going on in Leafland, as there always is. And, of course, there's the expected departure of Zach Hyman. We're going to explore all that. Let's do that now. Here is the conversation I recorded early Thursday morning with David Alter from the Hockey News. Okay, David, as you look back over the expansion draft, I mean, there was a lot of talk that McCann would be the guy to go. When you look at the acquisition, the loss of the player, what are your thoughts? I mean, they, they do kind of cancel out, although I think um, it might have been better for the Leafs had McCann been the one who stayed and Kerf had gone. Just when you look at the underlying analytics and uh, a player who's one year younger uh, would be an RFA so that you can get him on a longer term if it works out and he, he fits in perfectly and the Leafs miraculously have more cap space going into the following year. But um, yeah, this was uh, it was interesting. And I don't know if we know all the details of it yet because uh, at one o'clock Eastern on Thursday, things open up a little bit more. And I suspect a lot of movement that will come around that will make the McCann acquisition uh, removal make a little bit more sense. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, uh, you know, if they lost Kerfoot, they'd have uh, 9.9 to spend. With McCann, they have 9.3. So really, you know, finely tuned. But it's not so much that what they have to spend, it's what they need to spend it on. I mean, you're looking at two left wingers and a goalie. It's going to be slim, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, all, by all accounts, it looks like Zach Hyman is all but gone in Toronto uh, and, and headed to Edmonton. So... Uh, you have that gone and you need to find a, a suitable winger that can play in all different areas of the lineup. He could play on the first line. He could play on the second line. Those are two first lines that the Leafs kind of have. 
And then when he moved down to the third line in that versatile role, which is where they kind of preferred him to be in when everyone was healthy, uh, it's a big loss. And they have to go out and spend that cap space, as you mentioned, to find a skilled winger who can play up and down the lineup when needed. Uh, they still need to add some depth on defense. And uh, another goaltender, a 1A for Jack Campbell, because as good of a season as he's had, uh, we, we don't know yet if he's the real deal in goal for a long-term number one solution yet, as good as he was last season. Yeah, I mean, when you look at all that stuff, um, you know, the winger situation is, is odd because you're going to end up spending somewhere between four and five, I would suspect, on a winger to play on the top line. The the winger on the second line may be an add-on or maybe a Nick Robertson or maybe something we're not considering at this point. But the, uh, you know, the numbers that you're going to pay that winger are in Zach Hyman's range, just not on the term. And then you're talking about a goalie that's, I mean, we, we, we've been through the backup goalie search. It, it, it is tedious. I mean, those two signings, that winger on the top line, that goalie, I mean, those are, they're easy to come up with names, but, but hard to come up with the right fit. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of people haven't held out hope that somehow the free agent market falls or passes on July 28th and Anderson's still out there, that maybe they the Leafs do figure out some sort of situation where he's back at a at a smaller AAV in a shorter term or something he can do to, to kind of reestablish his game and prove himself again. Because they're going to need someone. Like, we saw Jack Campbell is just not durable. Like, he, uh, you want him in there for 50 games if he can stay healthy and another suitable 32-game goaltender. And uh, and then at that point, someone who's really a 1A that comes in and, and can actually kind of push Jack Campbell and, and both can kind of be interchangeable in that regard. But, yeah, there aren't a lot of names. Um, I suspect there will be some more movement once free agency opens because Seattle was kind of clogging things up with who they picked up. Now it's kind of clear that, you know, Price is staying in Montreal. Dreger is, is looks like he's going to be the main guy in Seattle. And now that there are a few guys that they figured out, they're going to have to dislodge one or two of them just because you see, you see what happens on waivers goalies on the last day before <laughs> uh, the roster opens up goalies are the most, prone to being claimed because everyone needs the depth in the position and uh, they most of them have to pass through waivers and none of them were waiver exempt really uh, that that are that were eligible for selection by Seattle so that's going to open things up where I think you're going to see some movement and then the Leafs will have a little bit more of a clearer picture as to what they're doing goaltending wise. Well, like, let me let me just sort of play devil's advocate. If they were if they were willing to lose Kerfoot, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of it was motivated by the 3.5 that would come off the books. If, if they were motivated to move him before, they're still motivated to move him, aren't they? Uh, I mean, they are and they aren't. Uh, look, uh, when you have someone like Kerfoot, he's a good cap hit at that versatility of where he plays. I mean, it's. Sure. Would they like that cap hit a little to be a little bit smaller? Sure. But um, I think it's it's a matter of who are you going to replace them with? Who who have you uh, established? It's that whole thing in business that um, it's hard. It's more expensive to replace uh, an existing customer than grab a new customer because you just never know. Like uh, I'll cite Chris Versteeg. Remember, he was like a, a good uh, established winger in Chicago. And then when he came to Toronto, it just never fit everywhere. They tried to put him in. It just didn't work. And, 
I think that's the risk that when it comes to just moving a guy for the sake of trying to create cap space, and that's that's a big challenge for the Leafs, not just for someone like Kerfoot or in the wingers or winger slash center spot, but all over the place. You can move that one guy, but then if you want that kind of skill, how much cheaper can you get it? And unless you feel guys like Robertson and and guys who make under a million, like um, I don't know what someone like. Um, the um, the Russian that the Leafs had last year would be able to kind of get in there. Uh, a Bear Banov? No, not Bear. Someone like Bear Banov, but the, um, I don't know why his name is eluding me. The fourth overall pick from from um, 2012. Galchenyuk, oh. there we go. So, oh, right, okay, so yeah, I yeah. I just had a senior yeah. moment there, but uh, Galchenyuk, <laughs> like someone like Galchenyuk who was on a flyer for like one million and, and guys like that. You could do it, but there's a risk, and I think someone like Galchenyuk may want a little bit more money too. So, I mean, $3.5 million is not a high cap hit for someone who's established and versatile as someone like Kerfoot that they that worked out more or less for them. Um, I think McCann had better numbers, which was why the hope was maybe he, he would kind of be the replacement, slightly cheaper, albeit shorter term, but more years of control with the RFA. Um, but it's just not going to – it's – going to work out I, I don't know if the Leafs have the depth in, in the system right now that they can plug in guys and necessarily be as good with Kerfoot gone so you were talking about depth in the blue line what what, what is your concern there well I mean it doesn't look like uh, Zach Bogosian is going to return so that right. was a stable presence on the bottom pair and then um, when you look at five six there's going to be injuries the Leafs got incredibly lucky all last season that their injuries were almost nothing on the blue line. So um, you look at what happened in the playoffs in two consecutive years when someone like Muzzin goes down, uh, there really wasn't a, a piece to kind of fill into that spot. Uh, Dermot has moved into 3-4 every, every now and then, and that could be some patchwork on the blue line. But then beyond that, you have to hope Lilia Grin is ready to make that jump. Uh, Sandine is pretty ready to make that jump there too but then beyond that I, I think you need that veteran presence on the five six I thought Bogosian was really good for the Leafs last season and I don't know how they replace him and uh, and figure out that spot um, if you if you're confident in someone like Lilligren and Sandine to move up Sandine looks like the real deal but beyond that uh, they still need a, a veteran bottom pair defenseman I believe uh, to at least stabilize their decor. I, I totally agree. I mean, what you're talking about without that veteran, uh, you're talking about draft picks that, that actually should be higher up in the pecking order, but they're fighting over the five, six spot. I mean, that's for me, that's not a draft pick thing. That's, that's, you know, that's asset management. They didn't make it. You move them out. Do you agree with that? Well, I do, but like, look, they, they were at least were going for it, right? They were going for it. They spent a lot. They traded a lot of prospects away uh, pushing all their chips into the table. Uh, they had that trade for Galchenyuk where they got rid of a first rounder, someone uh, like a, a Russian player and uh, Warsawski. Uh, they they don't have their first round pick this year because they traded for Nick Foligno. Um, and, they, and, and they're not going to pick for a while and they've got a I, last year was a weird year for the Marlies but even before that they weren't looking like they had the best prospects among players that they were playing against at the AHL level. It looked like it was starting to come down a little bit. But that happens as teams get more competitive. 
their prospects pool is going to be weaker and they're not going to be as good. And um, the problem is the Leafs went all in with it and they really stuck themselves with a chance where they have us in a a situation where they have no choice but to run it back, hope it works again, and um, somehow pick up assets along the way because their their stockpile is starting to wear thin there. Okay, they traded Philip Hollander to protect uh, a player for this year, and, and maybe they've made their decisions on him, but that's another prospect that they got rid of that Pittsburgh liked that they felt was worth it to bring back. So um, there there's some risks there, and so the Leafs are in a really weird spot, and we're going to find out a lot more about what their plans are. Yeah, I mean, just as an overview, it seems like they're making these risky moves, and, and most of them are backfiring. I mean, I I could be really nasty here and say the McCann thing, if they'd never acquired him, if they'd never made that trade, they'd be in better salary cap situation right now than, than they are. So I, I don't, you know, I don't understand that from they, that standpoint. Sorry, if they made the McCann trade, if they if they never made it, th- then they would have lost somebody else, and they'd have more money to spend. Sure. Well, yeah, because they would have lost one player, perhaps Kerfoot, and it would be three and a half million less. My only argument there is, I think Kerfoot's fine at that cap hit in term. That I I think that that wasn't really their concern that they were gonna, you know, use it to acquire somebody better per se. Because I don't think they're in a spot where they can do that. I think they kind of have to go with their core right now, try and find some short-term solutions in the 1A spot in goal, in the veteran spot on D, and hope that you have enough prospects up in the system that look like they're ready to make the jump, and maybe some other Russians that they they can sign it, like they've done last year, like you mentioned, with someone like Barabanov. So... Um, it's uh, it's going to be a tricky situation for sure. Speaking of guys who don't work out in situations, Verbanov never really kind of worked out in Toronto, and then he inked himself a great contract because he was starting producing like wildfire with San Jose. So well, it, it really is a crapshoot. Well, it is, and that that to me is the Maple Leaf problem. They they have these guys that they bring in, and they're 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 really brought in to play a specific role. But some of these guys are developing, I don't want to say stars, but developing offensive players, and they don't make that adjustment. They go elsewhere and get the opportunity that suits them, and they go on to bigger and better things. So, I, you know, we're spending a lot of time, um, all of us do, on the missing piece that'll come in and, and make the difference. But really, it's the missing piece that helps the core do what it's supposed to do. I mean, this is really on the core, isn't it? Right, it is. And so now, now the question is, you move Kerfoot up to a second line wing because you're missing spots on the left side, because that was a big problem for the Leafs last season where they kept kind of putting interchangeable parts. They had uh, I, Wayne Simmons at one point was a first line or second line uh, left winger. Cause they were just trying Thornton Simmons guys were getting hurt, moving pieces up and down and around Thornton starting as the first line left winger, then moving down uh, Felino eventually in the second line when the trade uh, deadline occurred, and then they had to move him down and then back up because he got hurt. So uh, they they need someone on the left side, and losing someone like Hyman is going to be somewhat devastating in that regard. But something that the Leafs have backed themselves in the corner because they just don't have the cap space to kind of make it work. I thought that they might have some signing bonus mechanism stuff that could kind of meet the difference there and i mean any anything could still happen barring uh when we're recording this but um it's one of those things where 
those don't seem to be on the table anymore. And the Leafs are not that team to kind of make the term risk on a 29-year-old. And, and all the underlying stats show that it's not worth it for them to do. So they've got to try and find these other left-wingers through free agency. And uh, a lot can still happen. And the Leafs can still kind of make moves some way. Like, it, it, there could be smoke and mirrors that we don't know about where they say one thing and they do another. The Leafs have been known to do that as well. So the core four is the core four. And they've got to, those four have to step up if they're going to be around next season and make that left winger better. But it's tough. Like, no matter who you are, how good you are, if your linemate is changing every season, how do you establish a rhythm? Hyman had that rhythm there. And now they're going to have to try and figure out a different solution. Yeah. And, and you know, the way I look at this is, uh, you know, assuming that they, they move forward with the, the 9.3 they have to spend, um, I would bring in a winger and a goalie. And, and the rest, I would just you know, scurry around for the cheap sort of uh, guys looking to to resuscitate a career like Gelchenyuk. I'd look for the next Gelchenyuk because I I firmly believe that they need some cap flexibility going into the season. Otherwise, it's just going to be really difficult to do anything. Right. And so, look, and it's going to be tougher where the Leafs can't kind of rest on their laurels where, you know, they blew out the regular season and everyone's going to be waiting for the playoffs. Tampa's back. Boston's back. uh, All the regular Opponents are going to be back. They're going to play teams across the NHL, not just within their division. And we're really going to see what this team wants because I kind of maintain that much of what we saw last year was difficult to to assess because of the weird dynamics of what last season was. Six opponents only, the Canadian division. Right. Uh, historically, the Canadian division has performed poorly in the regular season. The Canadian teams have performed poorly against the Maple Leafs in the regular season over the course of the last 10 plus seasons. So it was really tough to assess. So now, yeah, they have to, they have to figure out solutions in that regard and maybe tweak something systemically. We haven't really touched on the power play and that became an issue. And, uh, and the PK was all right, but um, these are weapons that should be firing on all cylinders in the playoffs when they needed them and they were firing like gangbusters in the first month and change and then went on a steep cliff down and never recovered and they i watched all those practices on the road as well and i didn't see them do anything differently they always kind of kept the same formation same kind of group of guys and um i i wonder if systemically we're going to see something different in that regard because you can't just keep going to the same thing expecting different results i mean maybe they they thought that that was going to work eventually in the season but last season and into the playoffs it proved that that wasn't the case that they need something to fundamentally change there from a coaching staff it doesn't look like much has changed in that in that regard many ultra is still there but i think systemically they have to kind of figure out something different to make the power play more consistent, not, not world beaters, NHL record breaking in one month and then nowhere in the radar. Yeah. I mean, you know, the bottom line is, is that, uh, you know, Montreal showed if you can get that PK operating at a plus, then maybe for the least it's the power play, you could do some major damage in the playoffs. Anyway, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, time now for the Leafs Guy edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Fasten your seatbelts, trays in the upright position. Here we go. Yes Guy, No Guy number one. The Leafs still have to shed some salary. Uh, yes, Guy, but not as much as me. 
Okay, I agree with that. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. You like the Leafs' blue line. Uh, yes, guy. They could use one more piece, but yes, guy. Yes, guy, no guy, number three. The Leafs' goaltending search is scary. Yes, guy. It's, uh, it's not going to be easy for them. Yes, guy, no guy, number four. The final yes, guy, no guy for this particular episode of Leafs' guy. Zach Hyman will push the Edmonton Oilers stars to bigger and better things. Uh, short-term yes guy, long-term no guy. I, 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 think, I think he might be a great fit there, but again, wingers and chemistry, it's all going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Another situation where it's a roll of the dice, this time it's in another city, but it, it's kind of interesting. These two teams just always come up to this roll of the dice, and so far it hasn't worked for either one of them. No, and look, I mean, it's easy to be like, well, I performed well with Matthews when he was there, so it should be a no-brainer with McDavid. It doesn't always work out that way. Chemistry is a weird thing. Tendencies are different. Um, it should. I, I think Hyman's capable for sure, but we don't know until it gets there. And that's gonna be that's gonna be wild. And then when he's 34 and 35, and he's still making what he's making, the Oilers better hope that that cap hit has gone up astronomically. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, anytime you can make a commitment like that, the final two or three years of the deal are, are painful, but you, you tend to worry about them when you get there, right? Right. Well, their hope is that, that the salary cap number with the new USDV contracts and everything will eventually go up, but it could take a couple of years yet based on what we're seeing. David, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Last minute of play in this podcast. There is the time warning from PA announcer Mike Ross. So three yes guy, no guys on the way out. And the last one's a tongue twister. Yes guy, no guy, number one. 9.3 million to sign two wingers and a goaltender. Yes guy, that can happen. Maybe you give a little more to one of the wingers and a little bit more to the goaltender. And the second winger, do you really need him? Because I think that's an open audition on the left side with uh, people from the, the farm system, including Nick Robertson. So I'm going to say 9.3 million is more than enough to push this thing forward. The Leafs blue line is good as it sits right now. Yes, guy, like the top four. So the way you do this with the Leafs is top four forwards, top four defensemen, and the goaltender, Jack Campbell. That's nine players that you're banking on, and the rest are going to fill in. And quite frankly, the, the, the blue line has enough depth. So I'm going to say yes, guy, like the Leafs blue line the way it is. The Leafs losing Jared McCann to Seattle in the expansion draft. This is the ultimate yes guy, no guy exercise. I'm not going to say yes guy. He was brought in to make sure they would lose one forward. It didn't matter to them whether it was Kerford or McCann. So yes guy, it works. The no guys in the audience will say, then why did you acquire him? I just say, yes guy, it was okay to lose him. You didn't really lose anybody that you had two weeks ago off the forward unit. Your defense is intact. In this particular case, it's a yes guy based on the fact that Zach Hyman is going to go anyway. That's enough of a loss. So I give it the yes guy. Hope I didn't confuse you, but no, I did. And I hope you enjoyed episode 48 of Leafs Guy. I hope you come back next week for episode 49.